Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, laid down in grief, but I woke with the key to hell on that day, the firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ laid. Welcome to Epiphany's Sunday Sermons, a podcast ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. To learn more about our church, visit our website at epiphanyligonier.org. You know, uh, one of the most significant coronations of a ruler in European history was the coronation of Napoleon in France in the year 1804. I'm gonna tell you about why it was significant. I know, you know, historical coronations in the Last Supper, we're gonna get there, but this one's really, I think, fascinating because Napoleon in 1804 was crowned the Emperor of France, the Emperor of France, not the King, but the Emperor of France uh, by the Pope, the Catholic Pope at the time. His name was Pius VII. Well, um, what ends up happening is that in the process of being crowned emperor, Napoleon's going to break a very long tradition of coronations in Europe. Because up until that point, the coronation was done by a church official, and the church official would hold the crown, and the ruler-to-be would then kneel or prostrate themselves before the clergy person, and then the clergy person would place the crown on their head. And there was, there was symbolism there. They were saying, you may be the king of this region, this country, this nation, this empire, but I, as the clergy person, represent God, and I am the one who is ultimately in charge. And so the king, in being coronated in Europe, this is a very common tradition, uh, would then sort of submit and say, uh, I'm not God, I'm the king, but I'm not God, and I receive my role as king from a greater king, a king of heaven. But Napoleon didn't like that. Napoleon didn't like that. Uh, when he was crowned emperor in 1804, he inserts himself into this historic ceremony. And as the Pope comes to lay the crown on his head, he reaches up and takes the crown for himself. And then he places it on his own head. He said, no, no, no. I am the emperor. I bow to no one. I bow to no church. It is me, me and my own doing, said Napoleon, that got me to where I am today. It is me and me alone. I shall have no one to bow down to as the emperor. Everyone shall bow down to me, including, he implicitly said, the church. So Napoleon changed the ceremony. He inserted himself and inserted his own beliefs and desires and shifted everything around to reframe how this coronation was to be understood. He was the emperor. Everybody would be bowing down to him. Let's not confuse things. And as interesting as it seems, tonight, as we read the passage of the Last Supper, um, have that in your mind, someone reframing the ceremony for themselves when Jesus leads a Passover Seder with his 12 disciples the night that he is betrayed. Because in our reading from Luke tonight, we read about the Last Supper, and historically, the Last Supper has been a significant event uh, in the, the, the history of the church and in, of course, Christian teaching. 
Uh, John's gospel devotes chapters and chapters to this final part of Jesus's life where he's washing feet and he's talking about his death and resurrection and sort of giving everybody one last set of teachings before he is indeed crucified. I mean, there's a reason why um, Da Vinci painted the Last Supper and, you know, you've got all, you know, 13 people sitting on one side of the table, which doesn't make sense, right? Um, it's, there, there are seats there for 26, but they're all sitting on the same side. Anyway, that's a funny joke, art joke. But, but the point is, um, when we look at, at the Last Supper, it is this very important piece of the Christian life because Jesus is going to take um, a, a ceremony and flip it on its head. He's going to insert himself into one of the most important ceremonies of Jewish life. Um, so let's talk about that. Um, what's going on here? This is a Passover Seder at the Last Supper. Now, what is a Passover Seder? Well, we read about some of that in the book of Exodus that we read a moment or two ago. That when God is bringing the people out of Egypt, right, all the way back to the story of Moses, the parting of the Red Sea, the ten plagues, um, the night before they go, uh, God says uh, to the people through Moses, hey, tonight... You're going to eat a special meal. Um, there'll be no leftovers. You're going to eat it with your belt on and your clothes on and your ancient Near East version of your car keys in your pocket and your sandals are on because any minute now, I'm going to free you and you need to be ready to bolt. And so this dish, this ceremony, you're going to eat bitter herbs and yeastless bread called matzah and you're going to roast a lamb, but then you're going to eat the lamb and you're not going to worry about the leftovers. You're going to throw them in the fire pit and burn them up. Um, because we're not taking that with us. We need to be ready to go because your freedom is close. And so sure enough, uh, over the course of 3,500 years, something like that, the people of Israel, even today, um, they still have these Passover dinners where they eat and they, it's changed a little bit between then and now, but the core of it's the same. They eat lamb and bitter herbs and flour without bread, with, without, bread without yeast. And they, they act, they put on their clothes, they don't, you know, sit there and lounge about. They, they keep their car keys in their pocket and their belts on. They're not lounging around. They're getting ready to go. And they remember, they take this ceremony and they remember um, what God did for them back in Egypt. So Jesus is doing the same thing that every other faithful Jewish person has done. They're sitting down uh, for a Passover Seder. And they sit down and all four gospels record this. Um, Jesus does uh, a whole lot of teaching he announces his betrayal. Um, he washes his disciples' feet. Um, but then Jesus pulls his Napoleon move. Um, as part of the ceremony, he inserts himself into the ceremony and changes what that ceremony fundamentally means. Here's what happens in our reading. This is from Luke's Gospel. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after cup, after, excuse me, likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you as the new covenant in my blood. There's a lot going on here. Because in the ancient Near East Passover Seder that is being celebrated, Jesus is taking this historic meal and saying, this bread that we're breaking together, it's about me. And this cup of wine that we're sharing together, this is about me. And we could get into the nitty-gritty details. I'll spare you um, why this is more than just Jesus drinking wine and more why he's doing more than just breaking bread. Like, you know, we break bread together, right? We just had a potluck. It's more than that. Um, that Jesus is taking himself 
at inserting himself into the Passover Seder and saying, this is about me. Jesus is saying, remember that Old Testament story where God found the people in slavery and he told them to get ready because I'm going to free you? And remember the plagues, the judgment on the captors? And remember how we parted the Red Sea and you all escaped Pharaoh's army and then they all fell into the, the, the Red Sea? You remember that? Jesus says, that is actually about me. Jesus says, I am saving the world from slavery. I am going to save my people from captivity. It's a different kind of activity, captivity and it's a different kind of slavery. But I'm going to insert myself into this ceremony to let you know, you think that's a cool way of being saved? Let me show you something this weekend. So Napoleon inserts himself into the liturgy and says, I will be the emperor and everyone, including the church, is going to serve my empire. And Jesus inserts himself in the Passover Seder and says, in essence, I am the real exodus. Um, I am the way to be saved. And so instead of you guys being saved, instead of the people being saved from like actual slavery and chains in Egypt, I'm going to save you as slaves from your sins. And instead of freeing you from a pharaoh, I'm going to free you from the wiles of Satan. And instead of leaving an oppressive nation behind, I'm going to bring you into my heavenly kingdom. And instead of sacrificing a lamb so that the judgment will pass over you, Jesus is saying, I'm going to sacrifice myself instead so that the judgment will pass over you. And look, it may sound very silly to say this, but it's 100% accurate to the Bible and theology. Um, every single Sunday that we get together, we do a small, shortened Passover Seder at this table together when we gather. Um, because one of the key pieces of what Jesus wants us to do is to remember that sacrifice, to remember the second exodus, this new Passover. That's why Paul emphasizes in 1 Corinthians, right? He almost quotes Jesus verbatim. What does he say? He says, as far um, in terms of communion, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so the idea is when we get together and have bread and wine up here at the table, we as a community are saying, we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. We remember Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We remember the crown of thorns. We remember the nails in his hands and the spear in his side and the nails in his feet. We remember the flogging. We remember the arrest and the monkey trial that he went through. That's what we do when we take communion. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And every time we take bread and wine together, we're saying, we remember. We remember. Um, I'll wonder then, leave you this thought tonight. If Jesus is welcome to insert himself in the history of Israel and to radically change their understanding of what it means to be saved, I wonder what it would look like for him to do the same thing in your own life. I'll leave you with this thought. Um, what if Jesus were to go into your past and to find those things which are important to you and say to you, actually, this is about me. This is about me. Is there something in your past that could be dramatically re-examined and re-understood in light of Jesus' death and resurrection? Uh, there's a play by Thornton Wilder that gets to the heart of the matter, and it's called um, Now the Servant's Name Was Malchus. That's the name of the play. It's a short little one-act play, and um, in the play, Thornton Wilder imagines the throne room of heaven, 
And uh, you may know the name Malchus because in John's gospel, we discover that's the name of one of the people who tried to come and arrest Jesus. And Peter tries to attack the mob and pulls out a sword and the guy gets his ear chopped off. His name is Malchus. Um, So this one little throwaway guy who appears very briefly in the gospel of John, he has a name. And Thornton Walder imagines that after Jesus' death and resurrection, Malchus comes to faith and is saved. But Malchus is in heaven, and he goes to the heavenly boss, to Jesus, with a request. Um, Thornton um, Walder imagines Malchus coming in and, and saying, Hi, Jesus, yes, um, heaven's great. I really like it here, but I need to tell you something. And Jesus is like, well, what do you need? Uh, heaven's, heaven's all here. You have everything you could possibly want. And Malchus says, well, th- there is just one thing I, I would appreciate. Malchus says, you know, we in heaven, we know when people down on earth think about us. And Malchus says, every single Holy Week, people remember me because I'm the guy who got his ear chopped off. And I got to tell you, it, it's kind of embarrassing. And, and Jesus in heaven says, yeah, they, they do remember you, don't they? And, and he says, yeah. And I, I got to be honest with you. It makes me feel kind of ridiculous. And Jesus says, ridiculous. And Malchus says, yeah. I, I, the only reason people know me it's because I got my ear chopped off in the Bible and you, and you healed me. And Jesus says, yeah, I know. And um, Malchus says, so what, what do you think? Maybe you could just take that page out um, because I, I feel so ridiculous being part of the Bible and being part of this way. And Jesus, his response in this story is very thoughtful. He says, uh, Jesus says to Malchus uh, in Thornton Wilder's play, Malchus, people think about me all the time too. And you know, most of them think that I'm pretty ridiculous. Malchus says, Jesus, no, 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 that's not what I meant. And Jesus says, no, actually, plenty of people think that I died and I stayed dead. That there is no resurrection hope. And that I've deceived millions into vain prayers in their extremity. They think a good doctor could have cured me of my delusions of eternal grandeur. And Jesus says this to Malchus in a serious way. And so after a pause, Jesus says uh, to Malchus, he turns to him and says, Malchus, Will you stay and be ridiculous with me? Will you stay and be ridiculous with me? And with those words, Malchus has his whole history rewritten because he's no longer the embarrassment of Holy Week, the one fool in a story of heroes. He's no longer this sort of quirky figure of scripture that we laugh at and barely know for Bible trivia nights. He's someone who is uh, wounded by the world in a way that Jesus will be more fully wounded very soon. That while Malchus has his ear cut off and his heel, uh, Jesus will have much more done to him, and he will not be healed. But in that moment, Malchus sort of reflects silently on the offer to be ridiculous like Jesus, and he says, yes, sir, I'll stay. I'll stay. We often talk about Jesus redeeming the past in our reading today and in Thornton Wilder's play. Jesus um, gives us, and Thornton Wilder gives us, an example of what that could look like. Jesus takes the Passover Seder, this meal of remembrance uh, for the original salvation story of the people of God, and says, I'm going to rewrite the past and let you know that this is actually about me. And in this play by Thornton Wilder, reflecting on the same idea, Thornton Wilder takes this pitiful figure and makes him into a figure of grace uh, that we can all have something in common with. So Jesus goes into this Napoleonic effort to conquer our past 
and reorganize our futures. The sources of our past shame and defeat and victory can, with a word of grace from Jesus, they can become the avenues through which we can connect more fully with God if we believe he is good and if we believe he is gracious. Such matters are good and true and beautiful, so true that we celebrate it with a meal every single week. In Jesus' name, amen. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a Pennsylvania.